Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining me for another restful episode of Scary Stories to Help You Fall Asleep. Today, we are going to be reading dark web horror stories. You may have noticed that I didn't say true scary stories to help you fall asleep or true dark web stories, and that's because the stories that I'm reading today are fictional stories. However, they're still very enjoyable to listen to, and I do hope you enjoy them. Also, before we get into the stories, I want to thank the sponsor of today's video, Aura. Imagine for a minute, a hidden network where shadowy figures lurk, secret black markets thrive, and cyber criminals operate with impunity. The dark web. It's a place where stolen data Illicit activities and digital dangers lurk at every corner. What you're seeing on screen right now is actually footage that I've taken from my own forays into the dark web. This is a dark web black market. And if you look right here, you can see that one of the things being sold is personal information. But fear not, for with Aura by your side and their advanced deep web monitoring tools, you can rest assured knowing that your information isn't one being sold here. Aura's state-of-the-art technology combines artificial intelligence, machine learning, and real-time threat detection to create an impenetrable shield around your digital presence. By continuously monitoring the dark web, Aura identifies stolen credentials, compromised accounts, and potential threats before they can even harm you or your business. When I first signed up for Aura, I was notified that my own information was being distributed on the dark web. I never thought something like that would happen to me, but thanks to Aura, I was able to secure my own personal information, and their proactive alerts saved me from the potential identity theft. I can't recommend them enough. With a dedicated team of experts, Aura goes above and beyond to keep you protected. Their 24-7 monitoring and personalized assistance ensure that you are never alone in the digital wilderness. And the best part? Aura's cybersecurity solutions are accessible and user-friendly, providing comprehensive protection across all devices and platforms at one low cost. So, if you're ready to navigate the digital world without fear, visit Aura.com Interscare now, linked in the description down below, and in the pinned comment. Don't let cyber threats cast a shadow over your online experience. Choose Aura your trusted partner in cybersecurity. And again, thank you so much to Aura for sponsoring this video. But for now, without further ado, lay back, relax, and enjoy these scary dark web stories. To begin, I think I should explain to some readers the difference between the deep web and the dark web. The deep web, at least how I see it, was a place that was accessible online by the use of special web browsers, such as Tor that contains less than legal things, such as drugs, human trafficking, and hitmen for hire. The dark web was pretty much everything that was no longer available by conventional means such as military websites and other sites that have not been incorporated into the current internet architecture. With that in mind, I would like to convey to you all my story of my accidental journey 
into the unknown space known as the dark web. I'm a computer technician by profession. I worked for a company that was contracted by local businesses and private consumers to set up internet connections, install software, and repair any sort of computer problems that they can come up with. So naturally, I got all the crazy stories and problems that these people could come up with. I swear, some of these people just don't know how to work with a computer. Even in this day and age. Anyway, one day I got a call from a local business complaining that their internet was acting up and that they must have a virus. So I shook my head, thinking that someone must have unplugged a network cable or downloaded a Trojan horse accidentally. I got up and drove over to the business to address the problem. As soon as I arrived, the man who called me immediately spotted me and started going on and on about hackers and how much he hated Microsoft Windows and how many viruses it created and all that nonsense that I usually received when addressing business problems. He led me to his computer and I pulled out my laptop and sat down in front of it and began to work. He told me good luck and walked away to go do whatever it was that he did in his downtime. I opened up the browser that he used. No surprise. And it opened to about colon blank. It didn't even have a homepage. So I tried connecting to google.com. 404 error. Well, I know that google.com definitely existed, so there was a problem with his internet connection. I opened his network and sharing center to see if I could use the built-in troubleshooter to diagnose the problem. But I gave myself a well-deserved facepalm when I saw that he wasn't connected to any network at all. So I searched for networks and found a few wireless connections for him to connect to. They were all WEP encrypted and I was almost positive that he didn't know the key. So I broke out my laptop and ran a WEP cracking tool to get his computer up and running again. As I was waiting for my tool to find the web key, another network suddenly showed up on my computer. This one unprotected with an SSID consisting of a random hexadecimal string. Now, I was extremely bored waiting for this guy to return, so I decided to connect to it and take a little look around to see where it was coming from. I connected without problems and opened up my toolkit of cracking tools to see if I could find a source for this connection. As I was having my fun hacking away at this unprotected network, my computer froze up, albeit only for a second or two, but this didn't happen much and it caught me by surprise. I shrugged it off as the poor internet speed there and kept on going. A couple minutes later, however, it happened again, and a few minutes after that, once again, each time getting longer and longer. Weird, I thought to myself. What's with this network? It was then that things started getting really interesting. After the long string of pauses, my screen flickered a little bit, and out of nowhere, my browser opened by itself. Now, I was worried that I had somehow infected my computer with some kind of malware by connecting to this network and I proceeded to close the browser and began to disconnect from the network before anything worse could happen. But I couldn't disconnect. No matter how many times I clicked the little disconnect button, my computer didn't respond, despite everything else on my screen running fine. Crap, I thought to myself. This is going to be a long day. And just as I was about to hit the power button on my laptop to perform a hard reset, my browser opened again. This time, with a little chat box opened. Hello. I stared at the screen for a couple seconds, not quite sure what was going on. I want to talk to you. Now, I had heard about these AI programs that had these programmed responses to simulate conversation with people, and I was not impressed. 
this was one nasty virus. You need to leave this network now. This is your last warning. Huh. Maybe an automated security program designed to keep hackers out. I'll have to admit, I was impressed with it. I had never seen anything like this before. I'm telling you one last time. Leave now. I don't know what made me do it, but I responded to the program. Or what? The next response scared me more than anything in this world ever had. The program began listing information about me. My name. Address. Telephone number. Credit card information. My parents' names. Their address. My heart sank in my chest and all the color immediately left my face. I couldn't move. I just sat there paralyzed with fear. But what came next was even worse. Don't look at me like that. My webcam was on. You really shouldn't stare. You might see something you regret. Suddenly, the most horrifying images you could ever imagine flashed on my screen. Images of disemboweled humans, human sacrifice, detached limbs, cannibals eating people, video clips of mass self unalivings and firing lines. My heart was racing. My body was shaking in utter fear of the images that I was being shown. They're seared in my brain. Those were things that no one should ever see. I mustered the strength that I had left and hit the power button on my computer and slammed it shut. I ran to the bathroom and threw up a couple of times. I was drenched in sweat. I could barely compose myself. It took me about 20 minutes to go back to my computer and even then, I had a hard time getting near it. I looked over at my client's computer and it was connected to the wireless network I was cracking earlier. It was working fine now. Just then, my client returned and thanked me for fixing his internet. I didn't say anything. I just grabbed my laptop and left. Going down the elevator with my laptop under my shoulder was terrible. I just wanted to leave that place and get my laptop replaced as soon as I could. Fifth floor. Fourth floor. Come on. Come on. Third floor. Second floor. Come on. Ping. Ground floor. Open up. Come on. And just as the door opens from behind me, a whisper. You really shouldn't stare. I immediately left the office building and drove back to my office. I promptly gave my laptop to my boss, telling him that it had become non-functional and that I required a replacement. I told him that someone had accidentally spilled coffee on it during my last trip and that it short-circuited. In reality, I made a pit stop on my way back to a hardware store and bought the most powerful magnet I could find and ran it over the hard drive several times. I wasn't risking that thing ever turning on again. So after a few short minutes of the keep better track of your stuff speech, he took the laptop and told me that I would get my replacement tomorrow. It was probably the most satisfying thing that I could ever hear. For a few days, everything went back to normal. No more AI chat boxes. No more funky, unprotected internet connections. And no more disturbing images popping up on my screen. I was safe. Until the nightmares started. I remember the first one I had very vividly, and I shudder when I think about it. But I'll tell you nevertheless. It began with me walking through a large city. I remember seeing large buildings and people walking up and down the streets on their way back to work or shopping. Whatever it is city people do. As I was walking, I found myself in front of a very large building, much taller than the rest, 
and for some reason I wanted to go inside and take a look. So I walked through the front doors and took a look around. It was a fairly normal office building. People moving about, talking on their cell phones and whatnot, minding their own business. I realized that there really wasn't much to see here. So I turned around to leave, but something was wrong. The doors to the building were gone. I walked forward thinking that they were some type of new door that blended into the wall or something, but nothing was there. I found myself very confused. So I turned back around again to maybe ask the receptionist where the exit was, but she was gone too. Everyone was gone. The lobby was empty. No sounds. No people. No furniture. Just an empty white room. Now I was scared. I began to panic and pace around the room, looking for any way out, but there was nothing. Nowhere to go. So I began to run at the walls, trying to break them down, but all of my attempts were futile. After about four or five bum rushes against the walls, I sat down, out of breath, looking at the floor. It felt like I was there for hours, just staring at the ground. When suddenly, I heard a small whisper. I look up to see a black silhouette of a man facing me. He stuck out his hand and whispered ever so slightly, trying to leave. For some reason, I trusted this figure. Don't ask me why. Dream logic. But I felt like this figure was going to show me the way out somehow. So I took his hand and got up and said, yes, can you show me the way? Of course. Follow closely. He turned around and began to hover away from me, so I followed. I don't know how, but he began to create hallways and staircases out of the room that I was trapped in, leading me all sorts of ways as if through a giant labyrinth. We climbed up and up and up until we finally reached a hallway that had a door at the end of it. It was then that he stopped moving and turned back towards me. I could make out a faint smile on his face as he pointed towards the door. Is this the exit? It is. I was so happy to finally get out of this place. So I grabbed the door handle and began to turn it as he placed his hand on my shoulder. I turned to look at him, and his words made my heart race to this day. But remember, you should never stare. My eyes widened as his face began to morph into that of a horrible horned creature. His teeth became like razors, and his mouth was filled with fire. I threw him off of me and opened the door, only to find my worst fears behind it. Dead people were hanging from the ceiling and blood covered the room like wallpaper. I screamed, but nothing came out. I turned away from the room and ran as fast as I could back the way that I came. But it was not long before I realized that I was hopelessly lost in this labyrinth that the demon had led me through. I ran and ran, but couldn't find the way out. There was no way out. I was trapped in this nightmare. I started hurling myself at the walls in an attempt to leave this evil place, but nothing was working. I thought I was going to die here. And that was when I awoke. I was drenched in sweat. My heart racing and my breathing was heavy. I looked around and it took me a couple of minutes to realize that it was just a nightmare. A horrible, horrible nightmare. I got up out of my bed and walked over to my bathroom to wash myself of all the sweat that I had just doused myself in. As I washed my face, I noticed something in the mirror. A small light coming from my room. I turned around and I saw it, sitting at the foot of my bed. My personal computer. 
I slowly walked over to examine it, thinking I had accidentally left it on before going to bed, which I rarely do. So I bent down and picked it up. Command prompt was open, but it was blank. No prompt or anything. Just that little black box with the white cursor flashing at me. It was then that I remembered that I didn't even use my computer before going to bed. In fact, I had left it in the kitchen. My webcam light turned on. Command prompt began to type. What's the matter? Bad dream. Now immediately after seeing what had appeared on my screen, I did what anyone else would have done. I removed the battery from the computer, threw it into a safe that I kept in my bedroom and locked it tight. I didn't sleep the rest of that night. I just sat on the edge of my bed staring at the floor, paralyzed with fear. This was no ordinary nightmare. This was real. For the next few days, I had the same nightmare every night, each time as traumatizing as the first. And worst of all, each time after waking up, I could hear my laptop fan inside that safe. I knew what it was doing, but I never looked. I didn't want to see that message again. I didn't want to scar myself even further. After three nights of experiencing that terrible nightmare, I stopped sleeping. I couldn't see those horrible images anymore. I couldn't face that demon anymore. It was too much for me. I kept myself up with caffeine and vitamin B. My motor functions declined and my cognitive ability deteriorated after the second consecutive night. I was so weak, so tired, so afraid. On my third day of self-induced insomnia, my boss walked over to my desk and gave it to me straight. You look like dried up dog crap, man. Go home. Get some sleep. I looked up at him. I wanted to tell him so badly, but I know that if I did, he would just tell me to get my stuff together and come back tomorrow. So I nodded my head in agreement, picked up my stuff and walked out. As I was driving home, I turned on the radio to keep me awake. I hadn't slept in almost 60 hours, but instead of my favorite tunes, all that came out of my car's speakers was static, just a bunch of white noise. I started changing channels, but everything was the same. Static. So I turned it off and drove home in silence. As I pulled into my driveway, I noticed through my front window that there was a flickering light coming from inside my house. It was my TV. I left it off before leaving to work. I wasn't surprised, though. Not sleeping for two consecutive nights was definitely taking a toll on me. I put the car in park and started to pull the keys out when my radio turned on again. More static. Was I hallucinating? Christ, I'm losing it. No, you're not. I almost crapped my pants. Did that come from my radio? Either I've gone nuts or that was extremely coincidental. I'm still here, you know. Oh my God. This time I was sure. That deep static voice just came out of my speakers of my car. I looked at my radio to see what station it was tuned to, but the screen was just a bunch of random symbols and letters that didn't make any sense. I started to panic. I immediately turned the car off and almost ran into my house. No, they couldn't follow me everywhere. I locked my computer in my safe. This couldn't be happening to me. I whipped around to look at my television, which I had forgotten was still on. I swear, I wished that the Teletubbies were on. In fact, I wish there was anything on, but there wasn't. It was just static. No sound, no signal, just static. 
Boom. I almost fell over backward in fear. The television's sound came in with a huge bang and the static was very audible. White noise filled the room. I could feel my heart pounding as my hands began to shake. No. No, please no. The static began to get louder and louder until I couldn't even hear myself think. I covered my ears and began shouting to myself. Stop it. Stop it now, please. And it stopped. I looked up slowly at my television. Nothing. Black screen. It was off. I stood up slowly, still shaking from what had just happened. I walked slowly towards my television, fearing that it may turn on again and blow my eardrums out. I got right up next to the screen, reached behind my TV and unplugged the power cord. I stared at it for a couple of seconds, hoping I had stopped them from gaining access. I backed away slowly, breathing more evenly now. I stopped it. And that's when I saw that face on my television screen. The black silhouette from my dreams. It was here. It was real. He smiled at me with the most evil smile you could possibly imagine, and I couldn't look away. I was too afraid to move. And suddenly, he began to speak in the most frightening voice imaginable. It was deep and booming. Somewhat distorted, as if he was speaking through a voice masker. It sounded like ten voices in one, all as evil as the other. Do you fear me? I couldn't move. I said, do you fear me? My body was shaking uncontrollably. Do you know these people? The next images I saw were the most traumatizing images in my lifetime. I saw pictures of my family, my friends, people I had met throughout my life. He had them. This couldn't be happening. I told you not to stare. And probably out of sheer adrenaline, I snapped out of my paralysis and picked up a small glass bottle sitting on the table next to me and hurled it as hard as I could at the TV. Sparks went everywhere. Shattered glass covered the floor. I looked up at the TV and it was broken. The screen had cracked and it was no longer functioning. The demon was gone. I mustered what strength I had left and walked up to my room. I was so tired. I fell to my knees and began to cry when suddenly I heard it. My laptop fan. I slowly raised my head and there it was, sitting on the edge of my bed. Command prompt open. Webcam on. The screen read. That wasn't very nice. I screamed as loud as I could. Leave me alone and picked up my laptop and threw it out the window as hard as I could. This was going to end today. I walked over to the window I had thrown my computer out of to make sure that it was shattered. I wanted nothing to be left of it. But as I looked out the window, I didn't see any broken laptop. I saw him looking up at me, smiling. I backed away from my window slowly. I couldn't think. I couldn't comprehend anything at that moment. He was real. He was here. I backed up into my room, slammed the door shut, and sat on the floor, trying to formulate some kind of plan of escape from this thing. Or more importantly, how to rid myself of this demon forever. Bang. 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 I immediately stood upright. He was knocking at my front door. Bang. Bang. 
bang. I heard it. He went in. I heard him knocking over and over. Incessant pounding on my front door. Always in threes. I began thinking frantically. What was I going to do? Should I stay in here? Should I get a weapon? Should I call the police? I didn't know. And the knocking continued. I was pacing my room, desperately trying to think of what to do. My heart was racing, my body purely running on adrenaline at this point. And suddenly, as if perfectly on cue, the knocking stopped. I stopped pacing. Was he gone? Did he just decide to leave? I had to be sure. I slowly opened my door and looked around. Nothing. I moved out of my room and towards the stairs and peeked down. Still nothing. I slowly moved down the stairs and saw my broken TV and the shattered glass on the floor. Was it over? As I made my way to the living room, I began to feel cold. Very cold. I looked around to see if I could find my thermostat when something else caught my eye. My front door. It was wide open. I swear I almost had a heart attack. Was he inside? I had no way of knowing. But the first thing that came to mind was that I had to close that door in case he wasn't. So I quickly moved to the door and slammed it shut. It wasn't cold anymore. I slumped down back against my front door. I was unbearably tired. I needed to sleep. More than anything in this world, I just needed to sleep. My eyes began to close. My muscles began to relax. My breathing slowed. And right as my eyes shut and the shroud of sleep began to cover me, his face right in front of me, my eyes snapped open to see his face right up against mine. He was staring at me, smiling. I had no strength left to do anything about it. He slowly stood up and reached out his hand. He said to me in the evil whisper of his, Get up. I want to show you something. I shook my head in disagreement. There was no way that I was following him. He was going to force me to live that nightmare. He was going to finish killing my mind before he was going to destroy my body. I said, get up. You have no other choice. All I could do was look at him. I stared into his amorphous face as if looking right through him. You know what I can do. Now get up. He wasn't going to let me die there. He wasn't going to leave me alone. He wanted me for himself. He was right. I had no other choice. So I raised my hand up and grabbed his arm. Somehow, as if my legs were moving by themselves, I began to follow him up my staircase. He's going to torture me. We started walking towards my bedroom. The door was shut. As we were in front of my room, he pointed at my door handle, looked at me and smiled. I knew there was no way out. I had no strength left to run, no strength left to think, no strength left to feel. So I grabbed the handle and opened the door. When I looked inside, expecting to see the dead bodies and burning flesh, I saw something that caught me by surprise. It was my laptop, the one I had thrown out of the window earlier. It was sitting on my bed. The demon walked into the room, stood at the foot of my bed, looked at me and said, Come. You need to use this device. So I walked forward once again, as if not by my own will, sat down on my bed and picked up the computer. 
Nothing was open, just my desktop with the regular icons. Nothing strange. This, now that I think about it, was probably the strangest thing of all. It's been a very long time since I have spoken with a human. I was too tired to respond. I forgot how fun it was to distort your world and watch you break down in fear. Somehow I managed to say, What do you want from me? I could ask you the same thing. You were the one who brought me here in the first place. I was so confused. So tired, I just wanted him to kill me. I'm not going to kill you. There's no fun in that. I knew what he was saying, and I tried to feel something, but there was no way. I was too depleted, just an empty shell. I'm going to give you two choices now. Two very important choices. I looked at him with the most lifeless stare. Listen closely. Your first choice is to live the rest of your days with me. I could have great fun torturing you the rest of your life. I had no response. Or, you can choose to send me to another, because I would love a change of scenery. All I could do was stare at him. Then, out of nowhere, I found the strength to say, I hate you. He smiled as I said this. He leaned down, put his face next to mine and whispered, Make your choice, human. And suddenly, a window opened on my screen. It looked like a sort of VPN client. Some kind of network was being hosted on my computer. For some reason, the SSID was permanently seared into my memory. 4920-414-D-2050-41494. D4F4E. For a few minutes, nothing happened. I was the only one on the network. Then, out of nowhere, ping. A message box appeared that read, Someone has joined the network. Would you like to welcome them? The demon began to smile. Once again, he said, Make your choice. I clicked the OK button. A little chat box popped up. I began to type H-E-L-L-O. Following that night, the demon that had been haunting me left my life. He vanished as soon as I sent that message, along with the computer sitting in my lap. I wanted to feel remorse for what I had done. Hell, I wanted to feel anything. But all I could do was close my eyes and sleep. When I next awoke, I looked at the clock and discovered that I had slept for 26 hours. It was the first night of sleep I had gotten in three days. It had been several years since my experiences with the demon. And I've been using a public computer to write these stories because I was too afraid to get my own again. And it has taken me this long to muster the courage to tell my story to the people of the world. To warn them of that demon that was likely still out there. Torturing people for his own amusement forcing them to pass him on to more people through their internet connections. Beware. He is out there somewhere. And he gave me no mercy. This occurred not long after I turned 18 years old. My girlfriend had also just turned 18 a few days ago, 
which meant her parents had finally trusted her and I to be alone in the house while they went out for dinner. My girlfriend had always been a fan of horror films and creepy things in general. She loved reading creepypastas and watching dark and gory films such as Hostel and Saw. One evening, I was sitting with her while she finished watching the last few minutes of The Human Centipede. We both had a few drinks and I was about to go to bed, but she suggested we look for other horror films to watch online. Despite my tiredness, I obliged. A few minutes of searching on her laptop revealed all of her favorite online film sites she had been taken down. That's when she suggested a chilling alternative. Ever heard of the dark web? She asked. I had heard whispers around school about it, but never took much interest. Yeah, I have, I replied, trying to act brave. A smile of excitement appeared on her face. I could tell that she was slightly drunk and in that sort of I-don't-care-what-happens mood. I decided to go to the kitchen to fetch her some water. When I came back, I noticed she had a site open called Sensor View. The site displayed the pictures of movie posters I had never seen before. I correctly assumed that it was a site that sold banned horror films from other countries. All of them looked pretty unoriginal. Nothing I hadn't seen before. All except for one. The one that my girlfriend was hovering the mouse clicker over. The movie was called The Visiting. The display picture was simply a white background with The Visiting written in an aerial black font. We were both fascinated as to what it was. I took out my iPhone and searched for the plot of the film. Yet I found nothing. Just a few stupid YouTube videos and irrelevant forums. However, when I looked back up from my phone, I caught a glimpse of my girlfriend typing in her name and address into various boxes on a page titled Order Details. Before, to my horror, she clicked the submit button. I was caught in a state of anger and shock. I manically shouted at her, explaining how dangerous it was dispersing her personal details into such a messed up place as the dark web. I could see my attempts to correct her were futile, as the alcohol was hitting her hard and she was not paying attention whatsoever. Frustrated, I went to bed to discuss it with her the next morning. The next morning, she seemed to have little regret over her actions. She spent the morning explaining how she was curious and she was in no danger. She even commented that the experience would be fun. However, I wasn't convinced. She told me not to tell her parents, fearing that they would not trust her to be alone in the house again. I promised not to say anything and headed back home. Three days later, I was visiting her house again. Her parents had gone to meet with some friends from work for a drink, and we were watching The Exorcist on DVD. During a particularly non-eventful part of the film, my girlfriend began joking about how horrified I looked a few days ago when we were discussing the dark web. She said she had only received a fairly professional-looking email confirming the order and nothing else. I began to yield to her argument. Perhaps I was overreacting. It was merely seconds after our conversation finished that an aggressive knock came from the door. It sounded like it was from two doors, but I dismissed this as an echo. I began to look concerned, while my girlfriend began laughing once again at the look of terror on my face. I put on a fake smile as I walked towards the door. It erased clean from my face when I saw who stood outside. A tall, stocky man wearing a ski mask and dark clothes stood at the front door wielding a hammer. I was about to call out to my girlfriend to call the police, when a blood-curdling scream echoed through the house. I raced back into the room to see my girlfriend pointing at the window facing the garden. An identical man stood at the window, only he was holding a small bat. I grabbed my girlfriend's hand and sprinted up the stairs. 
We hid in the master bedroom while I called the police on my mobile, who told me they would be there as soon as possible. As I finished the call, I heard one of the doors smash and loud, rapid footsteps heading up the stairs. They were in the house. Without thinking, I pushed the window open and told my girlfriend to jump and run and not look back. She jumped and landed safely onto the grassy garden below. I was about to follow but hesitated, wondering if I could put up a fight and, in doing so, allow my girlfriend more time to escape. It was then that I heard a deep, aggressive voice just outside the room. The man shouted something in a foreign language whilst I heard laughs from two other men outside. All bravery evaporated and I jumped, landing harshly on my ankle. The adrenaline racing around my body allowed me to power through the pain, and I eventually caught up to my girlfriend. We were running for what seemed like hours, but in reality was most likely about 10 minutes. We ended up next to the local park, a safe distance away from the house. My girlfriend began sobbing and I comforted her, trying to avoid my own desire to break down. It was not long after that when the police called me on my mobile. They were at the house and as far as they could tell, the attackers were gone. After taking a few minutes to compose ourselves, my girlfriend and I made our way back. There were three police officers at the house. One was examining each room for any damage or evidence left by the men. One was comforting my girlfriend while the other asked me questions. The shock was clouding my memory. I was only able to tell them a few details about their clothing and the fact that they spoke in an Eastern European language. My girlfriend handed over her phone and computer for the police to investigate and they left. They advised us to tell the homeowners of the situation, lock up and suggested that everyone spend the rest of the evening with friends or a relative. So we both spent the night at my parents' house while my girlfriend's parents stayed with friends. I remember my girlfriend crying over the phone while telling them about the situation. They were furious. A few days later, the police visited my girlfriend. It was by luck that I was at her house that afternoon. Their investigations had led them to some disturbing findings. It turned out, the visiting was a nickname locals in a small Polish town gave to a number of brutal murders that occurred in the 90s in the local area. The murders were committed by an unknown gang and were initially dismissed as some home invasions gone wrong. All the victims were bludgeoned to death in their homes, although nothing of value was taken from the house. It was only two years after the murders began that a family survived an attack by the gang. The husband was able to give the Polish police a few details of the attackers, but all that he revealed was that they wore ski masks, wielded blunt objects, and one had a video camera. However... The crucial evidence was that one of the attackers had dropped a backpack containing one blank videotape and three other tapes with content on them. The three tapes showed the horrific murders of the other victims of the attackers. The police came to a shocking conclusion that these men were creating snuff films to be sold to whatever sickos paid enough for them. A nationwide manhunt began, but after years of investigation, nothing was found. I remember feeling incredibly cold as the police told me their findings. They went on to tell me that the men most likely fled Poland during the police search and could possibly have entered the UK as workers when Poland joined the EU. The only thing they knew for certain was that these men were operating once again, decades after their last murder, and they were using the dark web as a way of deciding on their next victims. The police told my girlfriend's family to move in with a relative while the investigation was ongoing. It was not long after that when my girlfriend broke up with me by her parents' wishes. 
I assumed her parents suspected me of forcing her into using the dark web. My girlfriend discovered later that various documents containing her information had been taken from the house. I'm not allowed to see her, but our parents still speak. From what they tell me, her mental state has become incredibly fragile. It broke my heart to hear this. I can safely say the police will never find the attackers using the information I gave, which means they will most likely strike again. I can only hope the next time they do, that it will lead to them ending up behind bars and not the creation of another tape to add to their collection. Be safe and avoid the dark web. Deep within the depths of the internet, there's a place they call the dark web. It's a sinister realm hidden away from the prying eyes of regular internet users. Among the many legends and rumors surrounding this enigmatic corner of the online world, there's one story that stands out. A tale of terror known as the Shadow Market. They say there's a website on the dark web that can only be accessed by those who receive a special invitation. It's called the Shadow Market. A virtual den of unimaginable horrors. On this platform, the darkest desires and depraved fantasies of humanity find their outlet. I heard whispers about the shadow market during my ventures into the depths of the dark web. Curiosity and a desperate desire for wealth drove me to seek out this forbidden website, drawn by its promise of unlimited power and riches. After weeks of relentless searching and bypassing layers of encryption, I finally received my invitation to the shadow market. Heart pounding with a mix of trepidation and excitement, I entered the website, greeted by a stark black screen and a solitary blinking cursor. As I explored the shadow market, my initial shock transformed into sick fascination. The site catered to the darkest recesses of my desires, offering wealth beyond imagination in exchange for committing heinous acts. The boundaries of mortality blurred, and the allure of power overwhelmed me. Driven by greed, I began engaging in the abhorrent transactions of the shadow market. With each dark deed, my soul grew darker, losing sight of the person I once was. But little did I know, a sinister force was silently watching, waiting for the perfect moment to reveal itself. As I delved deeper into the abyss, I stumbled upon a secret group known as the Watchers. Faceless enforcers operating within the shadow market, they ensured that those who crossed the line paid the ultimate price. Bound by an ancient pact, they were sworn to maintain the secrecy of the dark web and eliminate anyone who threatened its existence. One fateful night as I prepared to finalize a nefarious transaction, a chilling presence surrounded me. The watchers had been observing my every move, waiting for me to fall into their trap. Suddenly, the lights in my apartment flickered, and an icy coldness permeated the air. Panic consumed me as a shadowy figure materialized before my eyes. In that terrifying moment, I realized the true cost of my greed. The watchers showed no mercy, swiftly and brutally exacting their punishment. The shadows closed in, engulfing me, and I let out a blood-curdling scream that was swallowed by the darkness. From that day forward, my name became a cautionary tale among those who dared to venture into the depths of the dark web. The story of the shadow market served as a chilling reminder that some secrets are best left undiscovered 
and the darkness that lurks on the internet is a force that should never be underestimated. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Thank you so much for listening to all of the stories in this video. I hope you enjoyed them. And I also hope that you enjoy the extra rain at the end. I also hope that you get an excellent night's sleep. Good night, everybody. I'll read to you in the next video.
Spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records. 